Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Today I'm going to talk to you about the end. All right? I want to talk to you about the end. Now the Lord um, knows the end from the beginning. Hallelujah. So he had the end in mind when he started. And we need to have the end in mind when we start. Because a lot of us just start and we can't never get to the end. So you got to be a finisher. Amen? And so 2 Timothy chapter 2 Verses 11 and 13. This is the Amplified Translation. We're going to key in on something this morning that I think will do us well because we talked about faith at the beginning of the year um, because every year you should reset yourself to live by faith. And um, you should determine that you'll only live that way. Um, And in order to live by faith, you're going to have to renew your mind. So we dealt with some mind renewal last month. But I want to talk about for the next couple weeks, I don't know that I'll deal with this specifically next week, um, but, you know, the next couple services, we just want to continue to progress because we want to, be, we want to rise and reign in this life. Uh, we are crowned kings. And um, there are crowns that await us should we finish the course. And it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. It says, in saying... The saying is sure and worthy of confidence. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Aren't you glad you died? Aren't you glad you died to yourself? Aren't you glad you died to your sinful life? Aren't you glad you died to the rebellion you had against the kingdom and you found Jesus and made him Lord of your life? And that he transformed you, changed you, put a new spirit on the inside of you, put the third person of the Godhead on the inside of you so that you're now alive forevermore. But then verse 12 says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Now, there's one thing to live with him. It's another thing to reign with him. I said, it's one thing to live with him. It's another thing to reign with him. And in order to reign with him, you're going to have to endure. I said, you're going to have to endure. He goes on and says, if we deny and disown and reject him, he will also deny and disown and reject us. If we are faithless, do not believe or are untrue to him, look what he is. He remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Amen? Now, uh, I want to key in on the word endure and talk about some endurance today, but coming out of that last verse, I want you to understand that even if, and I've said this before because I believe it's really applicable and for us to get this in our mind, Because of what the Father said in Genesis 1, Jesus is obligated once Genesis 3 takes place. What did God say in Genesis chapter 1 starting in verse 26? You know, it says this thing. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's like a copy of God. That means we had the nature, the DNA of his spirit. And let them what? Rule. One translation says have dominion. One translation says complete authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This is what we call the mandate of man. The mandate of humanity. That humanity, men were to rule. When I say men, men and women, both male and female, had dominion or rulership in God's created earth 
that they would rule in this realm as God ruled in his realm and as they received instruction of God by his spirit for when he made man in Genesis 2 out of the dust of the earth he breathed in him the breath of life he received the spirit of God he could hear God talk with God had right relationship with God in fact Adam and Eve for a time didn't even know what sin was because they were not birthed in sin the earth didn't even know what sin was because it wasn't birthed in sin, wasn't even created in sin. In fact, the first sin that was ever created or that was ever committed was not even committed in earth. It was committed in heaven. And it wasn't done by a man. It was done by an uh, a anointed cherub. Uh, the King James calls him Lucifer. And he rebelled against God and was cast out of that realm. He came to the earth and deceived Eve. For the Lord told Adam, you can uh, eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you will surely die. So if Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be today? Right here. That's pretty amazing. Which tells us then, the death we've experienced now, God never intended it in the first place. It was, not, it was never God's intent for us to experience death at all. But we know that Adam ate the fruit. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that when he ate the fruit, sin through one man's transgression, one man's rebellion to the word of the king. Sin entered the world. Sin is simply disobeying what God says. And how many of you disobeyed what God has said? That's everybody in the room. For all have what? Sinned or disobeyed God and fallen short of the glory. Now, what's the glory? The glory is the anointing that comes on the king. And we, by all rights, are kings of the king. If we'll confess Jesus as Lord. Prior to Adam's fall, Adam was a ruler. He was a ruler in this realm. And he would hear and he would have created a royal bloodline that would have never been in sin should he had never eaten the fruit. So when the Lord casts the enemy out, he comes and deceives Eve. Adam eats the fruit. Sin enters the world. And through that, a conversation happens with God as he walks in Genesis chapter 3 in the cool of the day. And he asked Adam, where are you? Now, it's not that he couldn't figure out where Adam was. It's not like Adam was great at hide and go seek. It's that Adam had fallen from dominion, not heaven. He had fallen out of position. And so as a result, he said, where are you at now? And Adam, uh, he said, did you eat the fruit that I commanded you not to? Adam said, well, it's the woman you gave me. So he blames God for creating Eve. That actually came out of him. And so he goes to Eve and he says, what have you done? She said, I was deceived and I ate the fruit. She told the truth. So then he goes to the serpent and he says to him, I'm going to bring my seed and he's going to crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. Now, who is the seed born of the woman to come? What's his name? Jesus, Jesus is coming now. Because God knows that I gave dominion to man. So it requires a man to get it back. That's why Jesus becoming a man is so significant and, the, and more important because it's legal entrance into the earth to get back what Adam lost. When we say the lost, what are we talking about? Those that are outside of God's dominion, rule, and authority. 
those that are no longer children of God, but by all rights are children of the devil. And God never intended us to live a life separate from him, so he made a way to redeem us, to buy us back, to purchase us, to pay the penalty for the eternal separation, the bail set on us, Jesus paid in his blood. Now, this is the statement I wanted to make. Jesus would have came even if none of us would have ever accepted what he did. Because if we go back to that verse, 2 Timothy chapter 2, the latter one, verse 3 or 13, it says that he remains true or faithful to his word and his righteous character, okay? He remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So God cannot deny the word he spoke that I want man to have dominion. But in order for man to have dominion, I must send my own seed or myself, my son Jesus, wrapped in the flesh, born of the virgin, so that the sin or the transgression of man that comes from the line of Adam now is a part of his life. That's why Jesus was a man who knew no sin. He was, he was without spot or wrinkle so that he might redeem us. And if our free will, everyone in the planet would have said, we're not accepting that, Jesus still would have came, he still would have died because God remains faithful to his word. And all of us, if all of humanity from Adam's falling would have always rejected God, then we all would have stood condemned rightly so and we would have seen our way of escape. See, a lot of times we like to preach this when we're doing evangelistic messages and say, you know, if you were the only one, Jesus would have came. It doesn't matter. If anyone, no one would, Jesus is coming. Because the Father set it in motion, I'll send my seed. So I'm doing it regardless of whether humanity ever accepts Jesus. See, you've got to understand that many are not accepting Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection, the price he paid for them to be able to come into the kingdom, but he came for them nonetheless. I said he came for them nonetheless. And God, being all-knowing, didn't send his son because he knew some of us would. He sent because he said man will have dominion, man has lost dominion, and now I will get the opportunity for man to have dominion back through my son Jesus and all who will call on the name of the Lord. They're going to be saved. They're going to come into the family. They're going to get back into their position. See, when we talk about being in Christ, we're talking about title. And Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. And the Messiah to the Jewish or the, the nation of Israel is the anointed king who's coming. It's the anointed one in his anointing. And to them, they all see that as a king who will come and establish his kingdom forever. We know that's the case according to the Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, when he says that a child will be born, a son will be given. Notice the son's not born because the son always existed. So a child's born, why? God needs to house an earth suit so that he can redeem humanity legally according to his own word so that he can give us a way of escape so that we can now live out a life not only with him through a confession of faith but through endurance we can reign with him 
Reigning with him is not something we do when we go to heaven. Reigning is something we can do in this life. I said reigning is something we can do in this life. And so we need to learn then how to endure so that we're not just waiting to escape planet earth, but what we're doing is we're bringing heaven to earth. And if we read scripture, we realize that God comes here a lot. He came down before sin even entered the planet and he spent time with man. He talks to Adam and says, I'm going to bring all these animals by. You name them. Right? He was with him. But when Adam fell from dominion, when the spirit of God left him and he was cut off from God, God still would show up, come down, speak to man in some way to let them know that he loved them, he wanted their lives different, and he began to set things in motion so that they could come to him within the dispensation they were born. And the one we're in now is a new and better covenant and God has left us with no absolute excuse at all. Man, he's paid the price, and we don't have to live separated from God ever again. It's not of our own effort. It's not of our own works. It's not of our own way. And what those means by works, it means we tell God how we'll engage him instead of engaging God like he tells us to engage him. Both have a set of works associated with it because the minute you do what God says, you're doing something, right? But you're doing it not because you decided. It's because he decided. And you do it because you love him. Because you realize he loved you. And he died for you. And many of us, if we don't watch out, we only live in the earth to go. When the Lord's like, but don't you know how many times I keep coming and trying to show the earth who I am? And he reveals himself the best, not just through nature, although nature he'll do it. Not just through science, although science he'll do it. But he loves to reveal himself through his children. The whole nation of Israel was set up so that he could demonstrate to all other nations, this is what a group of people look like who follow me. How much more in the life we live now when it's Christ in us? Okay, this is way more exciting than you all right now. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You house God. You house the third person of the Godhead and your spirit, man, is alive to God and has power and authority and rulership. You're not ruled by nothing anymore. Circumstances don't rule you. Sin doesn't rule you anymore. People don't rule you anymore. Emotions don't rule you anymore. Because when you understand who you are in the king, when you say in Christ, in the king and the authority the king has, the fact that our father loved us so much that not only does he give us a way of escape out of all life's troubles, but he empowers us with his authority, his power, his dominion, and his name. And you know what? You're not using his name up there. His name is to be used down here. And we all quote it, but we all miss it. Our father. Whose father? That's your daddy too. So why are you acting like God's not your daddy? If you're born again, he's your daddy. And he don't have kids he likes better than others. All of us have equal access to the throne of God, the throne of grace. We can approach it. Dad is joyful to give us his kingdom. He said, our father has chosen gladly to give us the kingdom. And kingdom is not heaven. 
Kingdom is government. It's the king's dominion. And God is giving that reign here. For Isaiah said, a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Oh, my gosh. So Jesus, when he preached, said the kingdom of heaven is like this and the kingdom of God is like that, he was preaching, look, the kingdom needs to show up. And then he says, now when you pray, pray those our Father who art in heaven. That's his realm of uh, ultimate power and authority. Your kingdom, what? Your kingdom, what? Your will be on Which means then we can get heaven's will to operate in planet earth. So if you want to reign with him, and that's what he's saying, if you endure, you'll reign with him, you will have capacity to pull his realm into this realm through your life. Because you believe the word of the king. Why do we do this? Because we live by faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 39 to 30, uh, 35 to 39. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But if my righteous, but my righteous ones shall live, how? By faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him because it's impossible to please God without faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we live by faith because we hear God's word and act on it and do it and live by it. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of our soul. This Greek word here in the uh, verse 36, endurance, uh, one scholar portrays it as this, as an attitude that never gives up. It is a faith that manifests as tough, resistant, persistent, obstinate, stubborn, tenacious spirit that refuses to let go of what it wants or believes. Uh, He says, uh, he translates this word as hang in their power. You must have endurance if you intend to beat the devil at his game and successfully do what God has called you to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If endurance is working in your life, it's just a matter of time until victory comes to you. It's not a question of if your victory come. It's only a question of when it will come. But if you, but if, but for you to reach that glorious and long awaited place of victory, it is essential that you have endurance in your life. Inherent in this word endurance is the implication that situations will arise in life that will try to move you off your target, your targeted goal. But with endurance working inside you, you have the ability to outlast any competition or obstacle and stay on course until you've fully done the will of God. And at long last, you will receive coveted prize of your faith. We need to have endurance. Many people are just living in the earth with this thought. I asked Jesus into my heart to save me so that when I die, I go to heaven so they live with him. But few are living a life of endurance where they reign in this life with him. An anchor faith church is going to reign in life with him until he comes. 
Because God is looking for the church without spot or wrinkle. He wants the sons of God to rise up because even all creation is calling out for the sons of God to be revealed. I mean, begin to reveal what God gave you as your right by birth. By birth, you have a right to walk in the authority of God, your father. You are children of the king. And what's so great about our father as we, and Jesus Christ is that he can't get voted out of power. Tanks can't roll into heaven and dethrone him. Sanctions can't come against him to cause him to be toppled. No, none of his creation because he had a portion of his creation that tried to overthrow his throne but failed to do so. Nothing in his creation can topple his love. <laughs> Whoo, my gosh. How awesome is that? You serve the creator of heaven and earth. Endurance, the first three letters, is the word end. So you have to go ahead and get it in your mind. The minute you heard from the king, it's going to come to that end. If he says by his stripes ye were healed, then the only way this is going to end is me being healed. If he has said it in his word that he'll cause you to prosper, then the only way this can end is me prospering. If he said it in his word that you can have joy in the Holy Ghost, then that bout with pe uh, depression can only end one way, with you being full of joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah! Are you hearing what I'm saying? If his word says that no matter what you face, you are more than conquerors, the only way this is going to end is you being the victor. It's the only way. Now, that doesn't mean opposition won't be there. In fact, the Bible tells us that it will. In fact, the Bible, when it comes to endurance, says bring it on. The Bible says bring it on. Look what it says here in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, the Passion Translation says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see to it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joys that you can. So quit crying is what he's saying. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Wow! Boy, that made me want to run around the room right there all by itself. So let's go back and kind of dissect these verses a little bit. First of all, difficulties when they come, that's when you should begin to laugh have great joy, and get excited. Why? Because verse 3 tells us that we already have faith. We've heard something from the king already that's given us the ability to overcome. I'll give you a biblical example. The Lord was uh, fixing to get in the boat with his disciples and um, fixing. You can't translate that probably in China because Chinese language, because that's like a weird you know, word for us, right? Um, so when Jesus was going to get in the boat in order to go to the other side, he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Now, has the king spoken? Can they now go to the other side? Do they have the word of the king? They sure do. 
So he gets in the boat. You know how sure he is of his word? He falls asleep in the boat. But what happens to try to say that what he said is a lie? A storm arises. And now we have professional fishermen on the boat that have been on this sea before. It's not like they've not experienced storms before. So something about this storm has caused them to re be reminded of maybe people have died. I have to assume that, and it's not a far stretch to assume it, because when they wake him, they said, don't you care, we're going to die. So they must have known in other times past, or maybe of their own family or friends that have experienced these types of storms on there and lost their lives, they knew it was beyond their natural ability to navigate this situation. And they can't understand how Jesus could stay asleep in such rough weather. So they wake him. When he awakes, does he say, guys, I get it. You can't do this. Only I can do it. Doesn't say that. The Bible says to them, to, he says, he rebukes the winds and the waves. They become calm and he rebukes them. He corrects them. They're not giving them instruction now. He correct. He said, Where, where's your faith? In essence, he says, I gave you a word. Doesn't matter. The test came. If you just would have endured and stayed with my word, we'd have got to the other side. In essence, I expected you to do something, but now you've awakened me so that I'm doing something that you could have already done. And many believers are living with him, but they're not reigning with him because they always think they're going to die when the situation arises and they're trying to wake Jesus up. But if you notice, when Jesus comes through for you in those situations, he's only doing what he already told you he would do before you ever woke him up in the first place. Now, it's not like Jesus is up there asleep on the throne. Okay, don't get me wrong. It's like, hey, I'm taking a nap, guys. I left you enough word. I'm sleeping. Okay, he was in a human body then, and at that juncture, he, was, he had every effect like we do as a human, and he got tired. Okay, and he wanted to get a little rest. But, you know, they wake him up. We have to have endurance. Once we receive a word from God and something tests that, all we need to know is, ah, this is an opportunity for me to endure, to press further, to be stronger. And then verse 4 tells us that as our endurance grows even stronger, it will release, look at this now, perfection into every part of our, uh, your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. Now, here's the thing about our lives as believers. First of all, all of humanity is a three-part being, meaning they have a suit, right? This is your outward suit. It's your shell. And, you know, we look different. And why would we look different? Because God's way too creative. He's way too creative. Okay, that's why we look different. And, in fact, in this room today, you know, when I look out, y'all, I mean, we're, we're different on multiple levels here, on many levels, just in a physical sense, okay? Uh, we have two species right now. We have a male and a female, okay, by gender, but then the way you look is totally different. Your height, your size, your build, all that's all different, okay? And so, you know, that's unique. But then there is a soul realm of us. It's our mind, our will, our emotions, how we process, how we think. We all have this capacity. Some of us think a little bit more than others, right? Some of us are a little more emotional and sensitive to emotional things than others. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying we're different. 
And that's okay. We all actually have a personality type. God wired us to function and see things from that way. I know myself, when I walk in a room, because of the way I'm naturally wired by God, I will pick out everything that looks great first. I'm, I gravitate towards that first. And it takes me a little time to see something out, meaning, hmm, that needs to be changed. Unless it's like glaring. When I was in the Army, uh, they did these things that, um, when I did a, a electronic repair, is that they would create a, um, uh, uh, an issue that was so obvious, they said even a blind person could figure this one out. If they couldn't see it all, they would know this is the problem, okay? And so with that being said, unless it's that way, typically I'm going to run through the room and see everything great before I'll come across something that doesn't look good. That's just how I'm wired. But some people, they're wired when they come into the room, they see the thing out of place first. And that's not a negative. That just means they see what is out of place before they see anything else good. And the two types of people, I'll come in and brag about what's good before I even get to what I saw wrong. The other person will come in and say, this is wrong before they'll stop and say, hey, look at everything that goes good. Now, for people who have some issues in life, right, and can ch be challenged by that, you understand, uh, with what they consider negativity, if someone says, hey, that ain't right, they're almost like, well, didn't you see what I've done right? Well, it's not that they didn't. They just happened to notice what's not right first or just out of order and needs to be adjusted and fixed, okay? And when it comes to cleaning a house, my wife is phenomenal. Me, I'm subpar. And she's tried to train me. Y'all know she's been training me. <sighs> and so, um, you know, but as much as I do, I can't stop the fact that if she walks in, she can find the thing that's not yet been done. And as much as I want her to only tell me what's great for all my sweat and effort, unfortunately, she's going to find it. So I have this comeback. You know, that was the next thing I was going to do with all the other stuff I've done. Because <laughs> it could be that is the next thing I'm going to do. I just hadn't got to it yet because maybe she showed up before. But sometimes I have to be honest and say, ah, I forgot to do that. Right? Because I was so overwhelmed by all the great things I've done so far <laughs> that I thought I'd sit down and, and give myself something, you know, uh, uh, some water and a cookie and pat myself on the back. Now I'll get up and finish that as well. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? But we have a soul realm, but then there's a spirit. And everybody has a spirit. Now some people, their spirit is dead to God. Because if you're not, if you've never made a confession of faith with all your heart, believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, your spirit man is dead. Now that, that just means you're cut off from God. And God, um, and it's because sin's in the earth. And... But God's always through people, especially in the United States. It's very difficult in the United States for a person not to have an encounter with Jesus through somebody else. Very difficult. Now, I'm not saying there aren't people in the United States that's never heard the name Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's very difficult to not have an encounter. Very difficult because the word is everywhere in our nation. It is not being literally shut down. You can go and find. You just got to choose, will you believe? Okay? And, um, and, you know, God won't make you believe because that's how much he loves you. You know, I would hate to be married to my wife and she hated me. And I just made her. 
And even though I do everything great for her, you know, and she couldn't find anybody better, I mean, it wouldn't be much of a marriage if she hated me and didn't want to be with me and didn't want anything to do with me, right? I mean, at that point, it's just like, I'd rather have someone who wants to be with me. And you know what? God wants you to be with him. So he'll let you do anything you want to do. But ultimately, because he's the king of a kingdom, he will hold you accountable to whatever you do. Right? See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is death because it's us. In essence, what we do is we want to be on the father's seat of authority. We're in heaven. I use the pole here because it's just in the middle. But if you were seated on the throne, you're basically saying, I'm God and God, I'm telling you how you can accept me. Because if I do good enough... If I do good to people, I mean, I'm a nice person. I don't do this, that, yeah, I'm not as bad as some, and you got to accept me. Well, that's you being God, and you're wanting God to bow to your words of how he should accept you. And you know what the Father's saying? That's what I want you to do. Bow to my words, because I actually am life, and my way brings life. And I am love, and my way brings love. At the end of the day, it's that simple. Nothing more, nothing less. But those who've called on the name of the Lord, now their spirit man's alive. The Bible tells us that our old spirit's been um, pushed out or, or has passed away, and behold, all things become new. We are a new creature in Christ. It's not a remodeled job. This is a brand new species of being that's made in the likeness of God. Our spirit man is made alive, meaning it now can literally hear from heaven and wants to. And then God himself, the third person, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells inside us and bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you don't have a knowing that you know I'm a child of God, then we could get that settled today that you'll know it. You shouldn't. I think I'll be all right when I get there. No, I don't think I will. I know without a doubt I am one of daddy's kids. Period. No doubt because he tells me himself personally. And it's no of no effort that I did. It's all on what he did. And now the things that I do for him, I do it because I love him and he put love in me. He, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. I want to obey him. I want to do his word. I want to hear his word. And I want to live according to his standard. But the thing is, is that when you're born again, you just live with him. If you're going to reign with him, you're going to have to do it through the process of enduring. Which means you've got to get your mind together and your body together. The other parts of your being. Yesterday, uh, my daughter and I ran the Gate River Run. 15K. 9.38, I think. Uh, 3.6, something like that. 3.86, somewhere in there. Uh, miles. All right? I've done it once before. I did it on my birthday uh, five years ago. I had just turned 47. I'm 51 still. I'll turn 52 this coming Friday. And so... Um, we took off and began to run. Well, I've been training. My daughter has not been training. And you know what? She's had two kids. So I'm not, I mean, what do you want me to say? She's had a couple kids. She's only ran four miles continuously. She's never done more than that, ever. You know, so I told her, I said, well, you might want to hit a 10K before we go. That way you kind of get it in your mind. 
And you know, because if you can do that 10K, I guarantee you can hit the 15K. Now, at the end of the day, we're going to do this thing together. Are you hearing? We're going to enter the race together and we're going to finish the race together. So we took off. And man, you know, I was running a better pace than I averaged the year before. And I say that because, or the five years before, when I ran it before, my every mile I increased in time. I got faster, I mean. Uh, so my time per mile decreased as I went through. So I didn't start out so fast that I didn't have enough that I could push towards the end. This year, we started in a pace that was better than my average pace of the five years previous. And I felt great. She felt great. We were going. We clicked off that first 5K like it was nobody's business. Then we got to the 10K. You know, and I remember getting past the four miles, and I told her, you know, because then I just start counting, because I'm checking in. How are you doing? What, how, I know how I'm doing, but how are you doing, right? And so we're running the race together, okay? Well, we got to the 10K, and I'm like, this is a milestone. She's never done this before, right? Because, again, I've done a 15K. Mentally for me, I know. And well, how I've already trained, I know. I got this thing in the bag. Now, I've got this thing in the bag to finish. I don't have this thing in the bag to be in the competitive range, wave, to race a bunch of other people and win $10,000 if I come in first. I have no desire to do that, actually, right? But that is there, nonetheless. And those people are running the mile way faster than I'm running that mile. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They've trained way different than I have, okay? So we got into the... 6.25, hit the 10K. Then we got to 6.55, because the only reason we run this 15K in the first place is because she calls me one day and says, Dad, I want to uh, run a marathon. That's 26.2 miles, right? I'm like, okay, we probably ought to start smaller, because <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Now, why am I not ready? I'm not going to tell you I'm not ready physically. I know I'm ready spiritually because my spirit can conquer anything. But I don't know that I'm ready mentally. Because when it comes to running a race, the first battle is just getting in. But once you get on the start and you get in the race, I had plenty of people and we had our names on it. So, you know, we're running and they're like, come on, Brianna, come on, Earl. You know, and I'm like, they said your name. She said, said yours too, which I didn't hear it. And then Brianna's like, how do they know our names? You know, but you know, she was kidding because she knew it was on there, right? Uh, I would have had a thought for a minute. How would they know my name? <laughs> oh, that's right. It's on my little tag right here, right? So I had people along the way cheering me on, but at the end of the day, they're not in the race. And you know, there's a whole world that cheers us on, but aren't even in the race. In fact, along the race, there were a lot of distractions, and I'll get to it here in a bit. But we got to the 6.55, and I said, we are at a half-half marathon right now. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I started hearing her sound like this. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> you all right? <laughs> okay. Don't go to Brianna and say, man, I can't believe. She did awesome. She's had two babies. I've had none. You know, my wife had the babies. I just helped. Okay. And so, um, and so she's going in, you know, again, no training, you know, 
Um, really done no, I mean, she didn't run more than 3.12 miles. If four, four miles was the long she's ever gone. But she started filling in her hip flexors and stuff, and she was dealing it with it right here. So now, endurance. Now, here's the thing. She's already had victory in the race because she's run further now than she's ever ran before. She's already created an endurance in her test because she got involved in something that's pushed her beyond her capacity already. And Pastor Marcy's been preaching on capacity. She, she already started to go there. Now me, this didn't push my capacity because I've done it, although it's five years removed. And sure, could I have been in less shape and it had been more difficult, but I come to find out I was really doing pretty good and felt better than I did five years earlier. So we were going, well, we ended up having to get into a little bit of a run-walk strategy. And she hated that because she just wanted to run the whole thing. Okay? And I get that. I understand that. But you, even in that, she still put, because she's determined, we're going to finish. We got up the big green monster, which is a heart bridge, and we were going up it. And I said, okay, we're going to run these two lines, and then we'll walk that, and we'll run two lines, because we're not going to walk this whole thing. And she would do it. And she would push, and I'd be like, come on, come on. Well, people thought I was talking to them, so then they started coming along as well, right? <laughs> We finally got to the top, you know, or close to the top, and I said, we can walk here. She said, no, go on. Let's go. I said, now, we're not stopping again until the finish line. So I said, let gravity help. And gravity was really helping because it was steep coming down to Hart Bridge. And then we had to go a different route than normal. So it's even more st steep longer. And we got there and we got closer to the end. And she was looking for the finish line, couldn't see it. Well, it, it was, you know, there was an obstacle in front of it, which was this big white building, training facility. I said, remember, it's on the other side of the white building when we came around. Oh, yeah. She needed to know where the end was to help her keep pushing forward. Now, here's the thing. In our run, we supplemented ourselves along the way. So I got these little honey packets that had, you know, a flavor to it and give yourself a little bit of a natural sugar that would keep moving because water alone doesn't, you know, take care of all the things you're putting out during your race. You hear what I'm saying? And, you know, and I, if, I've not trained my body to be able to take in fluids and not cramp. And there's nothing worse than running with a cramp, but she actually got a cramp and was having to deal with that as well, which is no fun. All right? But my point is, even in that, she was pushing through. Why? Because she had already resolved mentally. Mentally. I'm going to finish this race. I remember being right at the top of that uh, bridge. I said, now listen, you know, do I got to carry you the rest of the way? Now, I only said that to spur endurance. Because I didn't, wasn't questioning her ability. I was just letting her know, the option for you to stop will require me to carry you. Because I'm not leaving you here. Are you hearing me? So, there's a thing about this faith walk all of us are doing that we need to learn how to endure. Because many of us just enjoy living with him, but we're not going to reign unless we endure. Now, when you get your spirit running with God and you get your soul running with God, if you don't train your body, you can have the mental capacity to want to go somewhere, but your body can shut down. 
And many times, though, many people don't push their bodies past their natural or their ability because they check out mentally first. Very few athletes have gotten to the place where they will run themselves till their bodies shut down. Many quit before that because they don't have it here. And you know what? The same thing happens in the realm of faith. They hear the word of God. They start out in faith and believe in God. But long before there would be a shutdown of natural things, we check out mentally. We don't endure with the word. We allow our emotion realm to deal and do stuff. There is a capacity to become so strong in your will that you can push yourself beyond your physical limitation. But here's the thing. When you stay with your spirit and soul connected to God, there's not a physical limitation you'll ever come to. Now, I'm not saying in the natural sense, because I'm not saying you can just go out, I've resolved mentally and spiritually, I'm going to run a thousand miles without stopping and no one can stop me. Unless there is a supernatural anointing on that, you're not doing that at all. Because you do have a natural limitation. Remember, your body is not saved. You have to keep it under. You can keep it healthy and whole so you can do your assignment, but it's not glorified. All right? So there will always be a form of natural limitation. Some of our limitations, though, are self-inflicted because we don't endure. Like changing our diet. Because that takes endurance. I'm just being natural. Because sometimes to change the way we eat so that we can keep our engine functioning as it was designed, you can't expect God to be healing your cancer and eating Twinkies all the time. That's like trying to ask the Lord to heal you from emphysema, but yet you still smoke. Right? Many people want to be healed from diabetes, and many things of diabetics are food in nature. Oh, hallelujah. That's fine. I'm going to preach to your whole spirit, spirit, soul, and body anyway, so you know, I, I'm required to do so. He said, may your spirit, soul, and body remain blameless. Now, I'm not telling you what to eat. I'm telling you you need to figure out what causes you to function the best. At the end of the day, if you don't do maintenance on your vehicle, you can run it in the ground all day long. I'm not asking you to look like something specifically. I'm not asking you to go find the, a bodybuilder. None, we're not saying it. We're just saying what allows you to function so that your skin suit can house your spirit and soul and you can accomplish the will of God. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's asking you to go run a race. Nobody's asking you to go climb a mountain. But we are asking you to be fit enough so that you can go anywhere the Lord would instruct you and you wouldn't have that limitation. That's what we're saying. Because some places require us to have some kind of natural endurance physically as well. And we cannot be doing all for the Lord if we're stuck in a bed sick. Because we do not endure our vegetables. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? We don't endure them. Got to endure them. Want to endure what will help us out. I mean, you would call this spiritual malpractice if I said you can eat anything, listen to anything, do anything you want to do, feed your spirit with anything. As long as you put a little bit of scripture in, you're going to be okay. You'd call that spiritual, I mean, you should call it spiritual malpractice. 
You can't be listening to ungodly things that are contrary to God's word and then listen to God's word and think you're going to keep it together. In fact, if you go to this James chapter 1, it goes beyond verse 4. It talks about uh, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And then he says a double-minded man is unstable in his way. You can't be in feel, uh, pulling in through your soul realm into your spirit things that are against God's word and then pulling things through your soul into your spirit that are of God's and think you're going to come out always on God's side. You will come out on feeling side. Well, you know, that may work for you, but I feel like, no, I don't live by my feelings. I live by the word, and that, let that word dictate the way I feel. So the same is true when it comes to eating as well in our natural skin suit. For us to be able to produce endurance, then we have to say, well, okay, I'm going to have to endure eating this. It doesn't hinder me, right? I, I can still eat a cupcake, still do, try to find the healthiest ones there are. But even if I eat the junkiest one, it's not at the point that I'm eating them all the time. Uh, okay. It still works nonetheless. So we finished the race. At the end of the day, we came across the finish line, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says it this way. For no temptation, amplified uh, classic translation, no trial regarded as enticing to sin, no matter... How it comes or where it leads has overtaken you and laid hold of you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experiences and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed uh, beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power uh, to endure uh, but with the temptation he always will provide the way the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up underneath it how patiently when my daughter came to me and said, let's run. Let me have that, uh, if you would, LG. Um, and when my daughter said, let's run a marathon, I was not going to be tempted beyond what I was able. Because I know better than that. I know that I'm not ready for 26 miles. And not everyone got one of these little medals because they didn't finish. Now, I didn't get first place. I didn't even come close to first place. I mean, I'm like in the hundreds placed. Last time I ran it, I actually looked myself up in my age group. I was like 450-something, right? But I was a finisher. I endured. And the first time I ran it, my daughter-in-law was in a different uh, way, Brit Brittany. So she, she was like, forget you, uh, father-in-law. I'm in another wave, and I'm going on before you. And good thing, too, because she ran way faster than I did, and I would have been sucking wind just trying to keep up with her. I just had the mentality, I will not stop. I will only run. You know? So I just like, just one more foot, just another step, another step. This is where my cadence is, you know? And I really need to learn my cadences again, like when I was in the Army, because that would really help. It's like I went brain fog yesterday. I couldn't remember none of them, because they would have helped 
uh, us in some times that we could have been, been motivated by through some singing. But with that being said, you know, I was just like, this step here is a closer to the finish line. That's another step closer to the finish line. That's just another step closer to the finish line. Just another step. Even though my quads, you know, and my hamstrings and my glutes, you know, and my shoulder, I was amazing how much my shoulders hurt the first time. Just doing this, like hurt, Right? But, you know, at the end of the day, I persevered. I made that. This one, I had way more confidence because I had trained. I had been here before. I had done it. So I knew right when I started, I'll finish. No ifs, no ifs ands, or buts. But I will now train myself just like when you get in the Word and you come to service and you come to church and you get in the Word and you study the Word and you receive the words that are being preached, then basically all that is training you for the next obstacle that's coming so that when it comes, you're like, that's all right, I'm trained for this. It's time to start this trial. No big deal. I'm going to overcome. Because I already have the endurance within me. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have some challenges along the way and things that want to pull you off your course. I mean, we had marvelous opportunities to have, oper to have things pull us off our course. The first thing that would try to pull us off our course was the amount of alcohol being served along the way. I was shocked. Now, I prepared Brianna for this. The first time, I was like, these people are crazy. They're running this race, and they are like picking up Jack Daniels and something called a fireball or firebomb or something. You know, I don't drink, so, you know, but I knew the alcohol, and I could smell it. And this guy, I saw him, he took a shot, and I'm like, you're crazy, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're going against your own physical body right now. They had beer lined up everywhere. People could swing by and grab beer. You know, I'm like, man, what is happening? But now there were a few that had like oranges, right? Healthy options that was good to my body, you know, not trying to take away from my body, right? And so I wasn't distracted by the things that weren't good for me because I have conditioned myself to resist and not let it get me off my course. Amen? We have to do the same thing. The enemy's going to be along the way to try to get you to abandon your faith so that you don't keep your resistance or your endurance. Because if he can get you to fail along the way, then he can say, see, see, you can't do it. Well, let me just say this. You by yourself can't do it anyway. But you're not running alone because you have the third person of the Godhead. James 5, 11 says it this way. We count those blessed who endure. The people who are the most blessed are the ones who actually endure now in this life and reign with him. Why? Because they'll believe God for all of his promises, not just the promise of being with him in heaven when they leave. They take the promise of healing. They take the promise of um, joy. They take the promise of the fruits of the Spirit. They take the promise of authority. They take the promise, all the promises that God has for us, they take, they walk it, they believe it, they endure, they go through it, and they're blessed because of it. He said, you've heard of the endurance of Job, and you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion, is merciful. I'm telling you, he loves you, and when you get on that path, and when things come, and your body starts screaming, or the emotions start telling you it can't come, to path if you'll just stay with the Lord he'll give you the endurance to press through it which brings me to James chapter 1 <clears throat> verse 12 and if our worship team would come why is endurance so important because this is not just about and I've said it before Jesus Christ did not die just so you can go to heaven 
He died so you could become a son of God, a child of God. And when you understand that you are a child of God, you'll live life different while on the earth. It's amazing. And he says this in James 1.12. He says, if your faith remains strong, even while surrounded by life's difficulties, you will continue to experience the untold blessings of God. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. God's not given participation awards. He's given finishing awards. See, I just didn't participate because I could have ran one mile and participated. I could have ran a 5K, although I was signed up for the 15K and participated. I could have did 10K and stopped the race, got in my vehicle, or had the, you know, the fire department drive me back and get in my truck and come. And I wouldn't have got a finisher medal. Make no mistake about it. There is a finisher's crown. A finisher's crown. That the plan and purpose God has for your life is so you will finish. What did Paul say? Paul said, I fought. I have finished my course. Or I have finished my race. There were times that he thought about checking out. He was along the life that he was apprehended and called to. And along that road, it was very difficult, very challenging. Had a lot of obstacles, a lot of opposition. In fact, one of the, in one of his letters, the Philippian letter, he said, Man, I'm betwixt between two places, whether to go on and be with the Lord, just check out right now. Or to remain here with you. But what did he resolve himself to? My race is not done. So I'm going to have to endure a little bit. I'm going to have to just suck it up and just put that foot in front of the other. And just keep running and just keep running and just keep running and just keep standing and just keep believing and know that God's word is going to come to pass. And I'm going to quit looking at this stuff surrounding me and I'm just going to keep my eyes fixed on the author and finisher of my faith. And because he made that choice, he planted so many other churches and he finds himself writing to Timothy in the last of his life when he was locked up in Rome and he said, I've poured out my life as a drink offering. I've ran my race. I've finished my course. And he says, there awaits for me a crown of life. Because he's a finisher. You see in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, again, the Passion Translation says it this way. And when the shepherd king appears, he will, you will win the victor's crown of glory that never fades away. Man, when you cross that line, should we tarry should the Lord tarry and we leave our skin suit and go on to be with the Lord? Or whether he comes, the trumpet sounds, and we are caught up together with him in heaven. When we pass over, there's going to come this day called the judgment seat of Christ. And where we're going to end up having the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's going to be the greatest awards banquet that, that all creation has ever seen. And he's going to be giving you your finishing crowns. Oh my gosh. And you'll be able to say... That I, not only was I living with you, but I reigned with you because I endured. I only believed you at your word.
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.